Time for us to stick with the baseball theme, and let's go to the big boys. So let's talk about the Atlanta Braves. Let's talk a little chop. And deputy manager, major minor league baseball editor for Talking Chop, site management manager, podcast host. He does a lot of different things, wears a lot of different hats for Talking Chop. Eric Cole is with us here. What's up, Eric? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for being here. I'm glad we got the email situation figured out. We got the text messages going. Finally, we can make this happen. I'm happy that we're able to do it. First and foremost, let's start with the biggest story with the Braves right now. And unfortunately, it is the domestic violence charge against Marcel Ozuna. He's out um, of jail now on a $20,000 bond. I know he was already out with the fingers dislocating and whatnot, but how big of a blow is this for the Braves that he's probably going to miss more than just a month or so now? Uh, it's a it's a huge blow. There's no question about that. Mozilla had not been performing particularly well, but the the goal was is that you know that wasn't necessarily the player that he certainly not the player the Braves had hoped for, and certainly not the player that he had been for the Braves. So you know the hope was that he was going to bounce back and kind of you know through that this kind of this first couple months of the mm-hmm. season. They had been struggling, you know, for him to kind of come back and bounce back would be the big part of that surge that they're going to be having. Obviously, that's not going to happen. I don't envision a scenario where he plays in a Braves uniform again, period. Wow. And that's, that, that's, that's problematic, right? Because, yeah. you know, you sign into a four-year deal, you know, you assume a world where in the next CBA there's going to be a DH and he was kind of the guy you were penciling in there. What, you know, what, what is the path forward for the Braves? And there's a lot of things that need to be figured out, right? Like there's, you know, the judicial process and the legal process, you know, yeah. if he actually serves jail time and things like that, how much of that money is recoupable and all of that, you know, is he going to serve jail time? What Major League Baseball's, you know, what are they going to do in terms of suspending him and for how long? It seems just from the details that we know, it doesn't look good. And as a result, they're going to have to find another bat for the middle of their order. And fortunately, they've had a couple guys step up recently, but just, you know, losing a player of that caliber, I mean, he almost won the Triple Crown last year, and now you're going to lose him basically for the rest of the season, I would wager for sure. Yeah. So, it's pretty tough. Yeah, it is tough to, to lose a guy like Ozuna. And, you know, you mentioned the fact that there was no DH coming into this season, and that was... And, and coming into this year, look, I, I've always liked Marcelo Ozuna as a player. I thought he was a really good player. He had, obviously, a career year last year. I just thought, look, re-signing him with no DH, especially it was going to be hard for him to replicate the numbers that he put up in the short season last year. Um, but you were hoping, like you said, that eventually he would kind of turn it around. Before we get to a caller, let me ask you this question. Now, looking at this lineup, no Ozuna, no Pache, no uh, Darno. Who are some of the guys that you're looking to step up in this lineup? Who are some of the guys that you think really need to kind of elevate their games a little bit moving forward? And is there anybody in the minor leagues that you know of that maybe a veteran guy or something, maybe something they can do to maneuver to bring somebody up to help maybe fill that void? I know they brought up Abraham Almonte. Uh, he came in and played left field last night. But what do you think about all that? Well, in terms of guys that, are step, that need to step up in the lineup, the, the one with a big star next to his name is Freddie Freeman. Uh, he's been playing a little bit better lately, but this, you know, for a guy who's coming off an MVP season, you know, to have him hitting you know, second or third in your lineup and, you know, hitting, frankly, not as well as you would hope for out of that. He's the kind of guy that's like the easy answer to that. Austin Riley has been very, very good. If he just continues to do that, then that kind of fills a lot of the void. You know, he has a realistic chance to win player of the month for May, which is kind of wild considering how tough the season started for him. And another guy that's just got to continue to basically do what he's been doing and continue to adjust the major league, hitting, uh, major league pitching is William Contreras. 
he's you know as a guy who's had to fill in on the fly and learn to call games and get to know this pitching staff on the fly, he's been doing a reasonable job. And certainly has had some weird defensive miscues at times, but I think that's a lot of you know changing the, the catching stance that he's been used to to the organizational put your knee in the dirt type of catching that the the Braves in most of the league has frankly shifted to. You know, but he's been hitting well. I think he's been calling good games. It looks like the starters are kind of getting you know getting to know him pretty well, and then they're performing better. You know, in terms of down in the minors, though, it gets a little tricky because a lot of people are going to claim her for Orlando Arcia, but that's kind of a fill-in spot for Dansby, which I'm not sure is where the the biggest hole is right now. The biggest problems are in the outfield, and just throwing a guy out there who's never played in the outfield just to play the position because you like how he's hit in certain stretches in AAA doesn't seem like a great idea. The the one that everyone's going to watch is Drew Waters. It's the top prospect in the system right now if you're not including Pache. Uh, I do assume that Pache is going to be back relatively soon. He's supposed to be starting his rehab assignment. But Drew Waters is a guy that his development, you know, he's talented enough to where if he all of a sudden is starting to hit really well, that's a kind of a long-term answer. You know, for, I mean, it's not a guy, he's not a guy you bring up to, you know, a guy that's going to be out for two weeks, right? You know, that's, that's, that's the Abraham Almontes of the world. Just fill a spot and wait for a guy to get healthy. But that is not what the Braves are dealing with right now. It's that Marcelo Zuna is not going to be playing outfield, I would wager, in 2021. It's just not going to happen. I don't see it happening. And if that's the case, then all of a sudden, maybe you decide to give a guy a chance if he plays his way into it. And he's been yeah. playing pretty well, but... You want to see Drew kind of cut down on the strikeouts, continue to refine his approach, and impact the ball a little bit more before you call him up. But in terms of like a guy that you want to look to that maybe could fix this long term, he's your guy. Eric Cole hanging with us here on The Word with G from Talking Chop, talking about the Atlanta Braves. Let's take a quick phone call. Let's hear from you, 423-648-1051. Welcome into the show. It's G and Eric Cole. What's going on? Hey, man. Uh, good afternoon. I agree with your guest. I don't think Azuna will ever play for the Braves, if anybody ever again. I, I think this is a an Addison Russell type. You know, I'm a Cubs guy, so I know he he got in trouble for this kind of stuff. And first, he, even when he came back, he just was never the same. And and the Cubs, you know, cut ties with him pretty quickly. But mm-hmm. I, I don't see Azuna. I, I agree with your guest. I, I would be shocked if he wears a Braves uniform because you know frankly an athlete used to be able to get around get away with slapping his girlfriend or something around and that was sad and wrong but nowadays no matter how popular you are if there's evidence that you really did it you're pretty screwed and I I, I don't think you'll ever play for them again yeah I I think it's going to be hard pressed I appreciate the phone call to uh to see him play in a Braves uniform or a major league uniform again I I think he was right about the fact that, like, look, nowadays, obviously, it's much more prevalent. They're cracking down on things. Um, is there a, is there a chance that he could play in Major League Baseball again? I think there is. Braves probably more of a long shot. Um, do you think you'll that, that that we'll ever see him in a Major League uniform again, or just not a Braves uniform? So other guys have certainly gotten some second chances. The the caller mentioned Edison Russell. Mm-hmm. It's worth mentioning that char- like these are not guys who are found guilty of charges and face jail time. Yeah. That is the thing that we haven't really seen. A lot of these charges have like gotten dropped and there's like been investigations after the fact where like you know, social media posts have come out about, you know, you know, ex girlfriends or ex wives, you know, talking about physical abuse and that's where a lot of these suspensions have come from. When a guy is like caught by the cops possibly on camera with body cameras of choking and slamming his wife around and is facing felony charges. That's an entirely different animal. You know, I I think it's a realistic possibility that he will not, he will be placed on the, you know, just on the exempt list and just not going to be allowed to play baseball anymore. And I certainly think that teams are going to be very wary, especially if he serves jail time of signing him at all. But I just, the, the biggest hurdle right now is 
playing for the Braves again because, you know, just the idea of a guy who's like, for all the evidence that we know right now, is guilty of the crime. Yeah. And you can talk, and you can talk, and you can talk about all the details of that relationship all of you want, but it looks as though that he is guilty and that there's a strong likelihood that he will serve some amount of jail time, especially if they continue, they decide to go forward with the felony charge, and that's real jail time. Yeah. And if that's the case, there's just no chance. There's no chance. There, and, and he shouldn't be allowed to play baseball anymore. And, no. and you know, it's just the, the what he did, there's no excuse for it. Like you said, doesn't matter the relationship history. You cannot put your hands on a woman and do that. And it's just, it is, it is, it is really, really bad. He's going to have to do a lot to kind of come back from that. Again, Eric Cole hanging with us, talking chop. Talking Braves. Now, I want to, before we move on, uh, I just wanted to ask you this one question because I've heard this kind of bantied about, and I want to get pick your brain on it, that now that they are looking for a left fielder, I've heard the rumors about maybe moving Austin Riley from third to, to left, kind of like they did with, with Larry, I mean, Chipper Jones back in the day, and um, maybe putting Pablo Sandoval in there at third base, getting him some more ABs because he's been hitting really well this year, or even bringing Orlando Arcia up and maybe playing him at third base instead. It's an interesting notion, and I think that Austin would be fine out and left. There's a, a real concern that one should have, I think, of a guy who's hitting really well and playing really well and making a move a position that, you know, maybe you worry that that's going to mess him up kind of long-term or at the very least in the short-term because he's having to, like, kind of figure out what he's, you know, his his positioning in, the le- in left field and all that stuff and having to think about things where as opposed to third base is kind of a more natural fit for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Austin Raleigh's a very good fielder at third base. So there, it's an... It's an uninteresting notion. I think that that move was going to happen, though. We would have probably already seen it. Uh, the 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 move to add Abraham Almonte to the forty man roster was pretty telling. It's kind of what they want to happen there. Is that they're for right now, at the very least, they're content to just kind of run out the Ender Inciarte, Abraham Almonte, Guillaume Heredia, you know, trio to fill in spots and get at bats out there in the outfield and kind of just hope for the best, at least for the moment. If that doesn't work, all things are probably on the table. But for right now, I think that's what they're going to roll with. All right, let's move over to the pitching. And Max Freed, man, he he started out this year very inauspiciously. It was not good over his first four starts. Then he goes down with the hamstring injury. He comes back and he's pitched much better over his last four or five starts. Uh, what do you think has been the biggest difference for him from his first couple of starts to the last couple of starts where he started to kind of figure it out again? Well, I think some of it is just kind of sharpening up his command a bit, commanding that, that really good curveball of his and commanding his fastball. Because once you have the command of two quality pitches like that, you can do pretty much whatever you want to against the posting batters. And, you know, sometimes he, he is a guy that's learning and still learning how to adjust to what his pitches are doing on any given night. Sometimes you don't have that swing and miss stuff, and you need to be able to spot certain pitches to get the ground balls that you need. And sometimes you can get guys to flail at pitches, and, you know, you get those highlight reel type of strikeouts. And he's capable of both those types of things, and he's been doing that. Whereas earlier in the season, it seemed like his command was pretty rusty whenever he was trying to, you know, spot a ball, you know, on the edge or, you know, just touching the zone or maybe even just outside the zone and ends up drifting back over the plate. And those are just not places where you necessarily want to be. So, because mm-hmm. against major league hitters, they know how to hit those. <laughs> so yeah. it's just one of a situation that, you know, his command is early in the season. It's not that weird for a guy's command early in the season to be off. And now that he's come back, it seems like his command's been significantly better, particularly with the breaking ball. Now the bullpen. I know that's been a big point of contention this season for the Braves, and it's been rare that they've gone a clean clean outing, but they pitched really well in yesterday's ball game against the Nationals. One of the big relievers that obviously Braves fans have been clamoring to bring back in Shane Green. They finally bring him back and sign him. He's, you know, on his, you know, his way up and he's just trying to get ready. But 
He's been dealing with a little back tightness now, as we heard uh, just yesterday, I think it was. Uh, when, you know, how has he been doing in the minor leagues and in, in the way he's been pitching? And, and, you know, how long do you think it might take him? Obviously, now with this latest setback, it's probably hard to tell uh, how long it would take him maybe to get to the Braves roster to help bring some reinforcements to that bullpen. I mean, depending on the severity of the tightness, I wouldn't expect him to pitch in towards the end of the week. The problem is, is that he's pitched twice down in Gwinnett. Both times went perf- were perfectly fine. He gave up like one hit in the first outing. You know, struck out a bunch of guys. Next outing was a pretty clean inning. And you expect that from a major league uh, reliever for the most part. But he hasn't pitched since the 26th. So if he's already dealing with back tightness and back tightness, and they're announcing it now, this is something that kind of indicating that they're probably not going to get put him back in games for. a a little while, and if that's the case, then all of a sudden he's basically starting over this ramping up process, possibly by the end of the week, in which case we might not see him until, you know, at the earliest, mid-June, if not longer than that. Eric Cole, again, our guests hanging out, talking Braves baseball with us here on The Word with G. All right, let's talk a little bit about the article that you recently came out with, the Atlanta Braves 2021 MLB Draft Primer. So, Eric, prime us, get us ready. What do we need to know about the draft that's coming up here uh, I think pretty soon, right? Usually it's pretty soon. Usually it's a June it's a June date, uh, but they've changed it to where it's going to be coinciding with the All Star Festival. Ah, uh, okay. So it's be taking place in it's going to be taking place in Denver, uh, which this is and it's a great change because it allows the guys who are in the College World Series, mm-hmm. which is going on right now, to actually attend draft nights. You can actually treat it like an event with players on hand that can like you can see them going up to the podium and wearing their jerseys, et cetera, et cetera. You couldn't really do that previously because like all the college guys were still playing baseball, but now you got to have a chance to you know get players involved in the festivities more as opposed to just grabbing a few high school guys that have already graduated. Uh, draft taking place on, starts on July 11th, the three-day event. Uh, it's a little bit weird, different, different this year. Uh, last year was only a five-round draft. Don't get used to that. Baseball drafts are generally a lot longer, but they have shortened it. Uh, as opposed to traditionally, it's going to be 20 rounds this year. I imagine the schedule is going to be something like those first two rounds are going to be day one, and then rounds three through 10 are going to be day two. And then the rest is going to be on the third day, which is generally how that works for baseball. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Braves are picking 24th in the first round. Uh, that's generally where you're going to be picking in each round. There's a little bit of weirdness because the Astros lost some picks and, you know, because they were cheating unapologetically and all that stuff. <laughs> but you know, there's really kind of an interesting draft. There's going to be a lot of options for them available at 24. Anything from, you know, I would like to see them kind of go a little bit more upside with that pick. Maybe one of the, the, the prep position players that might be available down there because I think that the college crop crop this year has been is a little bit shallower than normal and if that's the case you kind of want to go for some upside and kind of fill those lower lower minor league levels a little bit with some head talent but overall I mean really interesting I'm really excited the draft's probably one of my favorite times of the year and hopefully you know it works itself out hopefully it does now before I let you roll Eric let, tell us a little bit about the, uh, the 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 podcast that you do on Talking Chop and how often you guys drop the episodes and whatnot. Absolutely. Uh, over on TalkingChop.com, we do game coverage and analysis of all things baseball, major and minor league over there. You can follow us on there. Uh, but in terms of the podcast, uh, I do one weekly show for sure. It's called Road to Atlanta, where I do all the we, we do minor league coverage. We just go through each of the levels and talk about the guys who are performing well and the guys who are not. Uh, and there's also a weekly show. It's our flagship show, which is just the Talking Chop podcast hosted by the great Brad Rowland. I'm a, I would say, a regular co-host of that show every <laughs> other week. Uh, the, uh, the other co-host is Scott Coleman, who's great. If you, if you saw those Tiger Wood memes that were going around uh, last year, uh, he's your guy, where that started. So, nice. so really, just like, it's, a, it's a fun podcast, talking about all things major minor leagues, what's going on news-wise, and just breaking down the games. 
and the big the big goings on. Uh, definitely take a look and make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast purveyor you prefer, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. We're on all of them. Awesome. Well, hey, yeah, if you're a Braves fan, make sure you're locked in to that. And you can follow Eric up on Twitter at Leprechaun, L-E-P-R-E-K-H-A-N. Again, man, great job on your first time. I'm glad that we finally got a, t- a chance to do it. Let's do it again soon, and thanks for all the knowledge that you brought. Absolutely. Make sure you text me, because apparently Gmail doesn't like you and I very much. No, it does not. Yes, I will I will certainly text. Text is the, uh, the preferred method anyway, so I will definitely shoot you a text, man. Enjoy the rest of the day and the rest of the week, and we'll talk again soon, all right? Thanks, man. Thanks all for right. having me. No problem. Always. There he goes. Eric Cole right here on The Word with J.